Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, uh, box13 at greatdetectives.net, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Well, today's episode is brought to you by the support of our listeners. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, and it, we especially want to thank Raymond, who says, uh, Adam, thank you for sharing these old-time radio shows, Ray. Well, thanks so much, Ray. And we're going to share another one. This one is called uh, The Adventure of the Guy Fox Society. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast, presents Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's immortal character, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. <laughs> this week's adventure, The Guy Fawkes Society. Holmes, you're running an unspeakable risk. Can't you allow the police to handle this themselves? No, Watson, I must be there myself. Well, shouldn't you take along a revolver, a weapon of some sort? I think not. They might decide to examine everyone entering the warehouse. No, I shall attend the secret meeting of this bloodthirsty society, accompanied only by my second closest friend, my Mearsham Piper. at the door of Dr. John Watson's study, and we're about to hear another of his adventures with the fabulous Sherlock Holmes. Oh, good evening, Mr. Harris. <laughs> good evening, Dr. Watson. Uh, have you assembled all the facts for the memoir you're currently writing, Dr. Watson? Yes, Mr. Harris. It's the adventure of the Guy Fawkes Society. Guy Fawkes? You mean the arch-conspirator of 17th century England? The very same. Well, what sort of organization was this society, Doctor? Well, it was a secret cult formed in 1897. Their membership consisted entirely of fanatics devoted to one of the most horrifying purposes imaginable. And what was their purpose? Well, I shall reveal the incredible secret at the appropriate time, Mr. Harris. Uh, but now it would seem as the appropriate time for a word about those remarkable Clippercraft clothes. So it is, Doctor. Let me paint a little word picture of you in the fine local store that sells Clippercraft clothes. Look expensive, don't they? But you try on a Clippercraft suit anyway. Feel comfortable? Okay. Now you walk over to the mirror. You might as well admit it. You do look like a million, and you're thinking, this will really smash my budget. And then you look at the price. Why, it just can't be true. But it is only forty or forty-seven fifty, depending on the Clippercraft model you prefer. How can it be? Well, more than twelve hundred of America's finest independent stores from coast to coast have put their combined purchasing power into action to save you money. It's the reason only forty-seven fifty buys you a smart Clippercraft suit of worsted fabrics that can take the hardest wear you'll give. Yes, for suits, top coats, and sport coats. 
you'll find Clippercraft values at the head of the class. Compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Dr. Watson, what was the Guy Fawkes Society? Well, Mr. Harris, it was the beginning of November 1897. Holmes and I were returning to 221B Baker Street after a late dinner. We were enveloped in an unprecedented yellow fog. We were groping our way up the stairs toward our flat. Have you the key, Watson? Yes, here we are. If I can find the lock, I... Oh, confound it, there's something on the floor here. Kicked it with my foot. Well, I'll see if I can budge it out of the way. Holmes, it feels like a body. Match, Watson. Yeah, right. Good heavens, Holmes, it's a man. His throat's been cut. Will you look at this pool of blood? Like that lamp, Watson. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yes, his throat's been split from ear to ear. Look, Holmes, on the wall. There's handwriting. Someone's evidently dipped his finger in the dead man's blood and scrawled a message. There it says, Guy Fawkes lives. Guy Fawkes lives? Now, what sort of diabolical nonsense is that? Shall I fetch the police home? In due course, we shall observe that <clears throat> technicality. Let's have a closer look at the corpse. Uh, what's that in his hand? Is that, is that a chunk of wood? Pine wood, Watson. Oh, look, there's some sort of grease at the tip of the wood. From the odor, Watson, I should say it was oil. Oh, what the dickens do you suppose he was going to do with a chunk of wood dipped in oil? Clearly, the dead man was preparing a torch. A torch, Holmes, that's absurd. Why should anyone want to be marching about with a torch? The weather about which you've been complaining throughout the evening supplies the answer to that riddle. You mean the fog? The unbelievably thick fog, Watson. The torch, coupled with the fog, signifies that the dead man lying before us was a link boy. Link boy. Yes, I've heard the term. Can't say I've ever seen one. The venerable tradition originates from the days when it was necessary to accompany members of Parliament home due to the danger of their being attacked by thieves and dissenters and riffraff. Of course, the custom has been abandoned. Except for those rare occasions when London suffers an impossible fog. Then the link boys, with their torches, are called out to escort the parliamentarians homeward. Anything in his pocket? No, there's nothing. Mm. Mm -hmm. This man's torch hasn't been used. He was therefore on his way to perform his duties. Come, Watson, we're off to see the sergeant-at-arms of the parliament buildings. We shall ask the name of the link boy who failed to appear this evening. You intend to leave the body here, just like this? Of course, but I shall mention it to the first policeman we meet. And thanks to the nature of bureaucratic ineptitude, we shall be many steps ahead of them while they're still here scribbling in their little notebooks. We certainly had the sergeant-at-arms in Parliament baffled, <laughs> asking all those questions about the link boy without ever telling him what it was all about, eh? <laughs> Let's see now, Holmes. Let's see, we've learned that the dead man's name was Harold Pickering, that Mrs. Hudson admitted him downstairs, that uh, Pickering asked for you, that she saw him go up. Uh, the two other gentlemen appeared at the front door a moment later, uh, one of them misshapen and very ugly, uh, that she saw them go up. She then went back inside to her rooms and heard and saw nothing after that uh, until the police arrived. Then we... Uh, Holmes, what are you doing to your face? Smudging it with soot. What for? I must assume a disreputable appearance, Watson. You must assume what? Here we are. Now, off with this tweed suit. And into some tattered things. Unfortunately, you cannot accompany me on this grotesque mission, Watson. Where are you going? You'll recall that at Parliament we were told that the dead man, Pickering, resided on Bridge Road by the West India Docks. 
We were also told that he spent a considerable portion of his time at various pubs in that vicinity. I intend to visit every shabby spot on Bridge Road. But why the disguise? I hope to learn what it was that Mr. Pickering wished to tell me when he came here. Obviously, it was something so insidious that it was necessary to cut his throat before he had a chance to talk. I shall visit the pest holes of Bridge Road. I shall be very vocal about loathing the government. You were never in here before, were you? That's quite right. Uh, do you mind if I sit down with you? You look kind of lonesome. I like to make friends with everybody who comes in. Do you like this place? Very much. It's the best around this part of London. Have you tried the other places? Yes, this is my fourth tavern tonight. My name's Moore. Moore Peter. What's yours? Like so many of your customers, Maud, I must ask you to accept a significant silence in answer to that question. Ma, you've a fancy way of talking. <laughs> Did you hear me sing? Yes. Delightful. Uh, aren't you going to tell me anything about yourself? Where'd you come from? What's your game? Anything's my game, Maud. Why'd you keep watching the door? Look, you can trust Maud. Everyone will tell you that. The police looking for you? They might be. What sort of job did you do? Suppose we just say that it was unpatriotic. Is that all you're going to tell me? Yes, suffice it that it was unpatriotic. I have very little use for our current government. I'm one of those who feels that England, once master of the planet, is collapsing of its own weight. Ah, oh, you sound just like him. Like who? Uh, a friend of mine. He always talks that way. He'd like you. You talk like you've got brains. You'd be helpful. Helpful? To whom? For what purpose? Did you say anything's your game? I did. Would murder be your game? If it were worth the candle? I don't mean just taking care of some blokes in a dark alleyway with a pocket knife. We can find plenty around here to do that for a few pounds or a few drinks. I'm talking about murder in a much bigger way. I mean killing a few hundred people, maybe a thousand. You have the stomach for that? If they're sufficient to be gained, I'm your man. Oh, there's more than money in it. Is there? Mm, much, much more. It's a wonderful scheme. And there's a wonderful man running it. You and he did it all fine. Why don't you introduce me to the gentleman? Maybe I will. He wants all the help he can find. Yes, you come along with me. It's just a minute's walk from here, close by the dock. It's a basement under an empty warehouse. It's his headquarters. Who is born? He's the leader of the Guy Fawkes Society. You'll see you now. It's about time. I might catch my death of cold sitting here waiting in this damp basement. He's in the next room. Now just go through that door. Here, you better take my candle. It's dark as pitch. Thank you. Oh, uh, I must tell you, you may think he's a bit barmy at first. He says strange things sometimes, but that's just his way. He's really brilliant. And don't be frightened by Gerardo. Gerardo? Uh, Gerardo's the leader's man, sort of his bodyguard and secretary. <laughs> Gerardo's the ugliest man I've ever seen. Most of his face was burnt off in that fire. Oh, but he won't hurt you. I'll wait out here. Go on through that door. Very well. 
Come in. Come in. I am Geraldo. How do you do? Before I introduce you to our leader, would you raise your hand? Higher, please. You do not have a gun or a knife, I hope. No, I have not. I just want to be sure. Any formality. <laughs> I have the honor to introduce our leader. Sit down. Get out, Your Honor. Mr. Get Smith. out! Yes, sir. Lord tells me that you wish to join our ranks. Possibly. I don't know anything about you. I could be rather verbose about you, though. Yes, sir? You're extremely nervous, vain, and have spent a great deal of time outside of England. To be more specific, in a tropical country. How do you know? Those pencils on your desk yes. chewed almost to the point of uselessness. I... The restless way you pace up and down before me. The nervousness is inescapable. As for your vanity, you're squinting your eyes in order to have a better view of me, a characteristic of near-sightedness. You require spectacles, but do not wear them. You've spent a sizable portion of your life in tropical countries because your teeth have a distinctive corrosion caused by endless munching upon sugar cane. <laughs> good. Very good. Maybe more to fight about. I have need of men with their wits about them. Ours is a great task, a bloody and dangerous task. But the rewards will be well worth the sacrifice. What is the task, Mr. Stewart? What I shall say may sound fantastic, but the truth is often very shocking. My name is Douglas Stewart. My genealogy may be traced to the Stewart who once ruled my England. Really? You don't seem to believe it. Well, I... It's the truth, it's the truth, it's the truth. Can prove that I am the rightful ruler of the British Empire. I've been cheated of my birthright. Have you? They plotted against me. The impostors who sit now upon my throne, they plotted against me. When I went to them, when I made my claim, they accused me of being insane. They are nothing but animals wallowing in the sty of their wealth and privilege. They must be exterminated. They held me prisoner. Oh? Where, Mr. Stewart? On what charge? They held me prisoner in a hospital. For a year, a hospital for the mentally ill. When were you released? I was not released. They would have kept me there until I died. They tortured me. I escaped. I escaped. Now I'm free. And I shall strike back. What is your plan, Mr. I'm Stewart? I'm not well. They made me sick at that hospital. They injected me with drugs. I'm not well. But I need... I need men of strength to surround me. What is your plan, Mr. Stewart? Those who have marched with me will share my inevitable triumph. Marched with you? Where? When? We are known as the Guy Fawkes Society. Can you imagine why? Hmm. Quite evident. Uh, Guy Fawkes, a deserter, was smuggled back into England by a group of conspirators in 1605. Yes, yes. They plotted to overthrow James II and his government. Overthrow it. They planned to do this by concealing a huge store of gunpowder beneath both houses <laughs> of Parliament. Yes. They intended to blow up both houses and stage a coup d'etat. Ah. Their plan was exposed. And on November the 4th of 1605, they were captured and imprisoned. I dare say that you have revived the Guy Fawkes plan. Yes. Yes, I have. Guy Fawkes Day is just 48 hours away. We've dug secret tunnels in the proper places. In just 48 hours, Guy Fawkes' plan to blow up Parliament, its members, and the royal family will become a reality! 
Dr. Watson, Mr. Holmes has uncovered a breathtaking scheme. Yes, he certainly has, Mr. Harris. And you've provided me with just the word I've been seeking. Well, what word is that? Breathtaking is the word for Clippercraft clones. Subject on which you're well qualified to speak, sir. Won't you? Thank you, Dr. Watson. Men who used to spend small fortunes on their clothes are now wearing expensive-looking Clippercraft suits. Because Clippercraft gives them all the handsome looks and long, dependable wear they demand without digging deep into their savings. Why, they pay only forty and forty-seven fifty for Clippercraft suits you'd swear cost twice as much. Really fine fabrics and top-notch tailoring are unheard of at prices as low as Clippercraft. Then what's the trick? Well, what do you suppose happens when more than twelve hundred of this country's finest independent stores from coast to coast, stores you can trust, concentrate their huge buying power? You're absolutely right. Their combined purchasing power drastically cuts the cost of manufacturing and distribution. Doesn't take an adding machine to figure out how Clippercraft's unique operation saves you money. Or why Clippercraft suits are such terrific values at only 40 and 47.50. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and sport jackets. In Manhattan, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. <laughs> Now shall we return to the Guy Fawkes Society, Dr. Watson? We most certainly shall, Mr. Harris. Holmes left the dank, dirty cellar where he'd held his bizarre rendezvous with Douglas Stewart. He returned to 221B Baker Street and recapitulated his experience for him. Good gracious, Holmes, a plan to blow up both houses of Parliament. I can hardly believe it. Shall we inform Scotland Yard of your discovery? Not just yet, Watson. Impetuosity is a trap into which we must not fall. If the police should intervene at this point, Stuart and his vile henchmen would simply protest their innocence and elude justice. They must be captured with the evidence. Ah, I see. You're waiting to determine their plan of operation. Uh, then you'll strike. Exactly. And I shall have that information this evening when the entire membership of the society convenes in that same waterfront spot where the renegade Stuart has his headquarters. As a neophyte, I've been invited to attend their ritual. Well, Holmes, haven't they questioned you about your own reliability? <laughs> Extensively. I imagine Gerardo was impressed, eh? Quite. Therefore, I'm off to the foul cellar where the chief lieutenants of the Guy Fawkes Society meet in unholy conclave. I see you've joined us. I'm glad. Are you, Maud? Douglas tell me that he's pleased you've joined us. I appreciate the accolade. Douglas tells me everything. He does? Yes. We sit by the river talking. He tells me about what he'll give me when he's in the palace. A maid of my own, perfume, some France. He must be very fond of you. Uh, fond as he can be of anyone, I guess. He thinks about his plans, mostly. Sometimes he doesn't see me for weeks. Oh, Mr. Serrado. Wine, Maud. Thank you, Serrado. Some for you, too. Ah, Burgundy. Pomar. We do not drink until the leader enters. Then he will propose the toast. 
There he is. Pilot, the leader speaks. Everyone, ride. We raise our glasses in praise. In praise! To Guy Fawkes. Guy Guy Fawkes! To his fearless crew, to Robert Catesby. Catesby! John Wright. Wright! Thomas Winter. Winter! Quiet. Now, I want each of you to pay close attention. Tunnels are ready, Gerardo? Yes, sir. Good. For those of you who are new, my most trusted men have dug tunnels. Where are the tunnels, Mr. Stewart? They work down from the back of a tea room on Parliament Square. This is Ward's tea shop. The tunnels cut across the corner of Parliament Square and point directly to the House of Lords and the House of Commons. And what do you plan to use to destroy the houses? Dynamite! <laughs> Tomorrow night, we shall celebrate Guy Fawkes Park along with the rest of England. While they burn Fawkes in effigy in the streets, we shall set off the dynamite! <laughs> We meet at Mrs. Ward's tea shop tomorrow night at ten shop. Do you understand exactly what you're to do, Watson? Yes, exactly, Holmes. I shall tell the story to the Assistant Commissioner of Police and a request that he send a special squad. You'd like them to hide around the corner from the tea shop, eh? Precisely. And you must try desperately to convince him that his constables are to be armed. I realize it's an extraordinary demand, but perhaps he'll sense the danger. Oh, by Jove, Holmes, he may not believe the story at all. He may not do a blessed thing. Oh, we must risk it. Remember, Stewart asked me to meet him at the warehouse. He, Gerardo, and I will then proceed to the tea shop. There we'll meet the others at ten. If the police will co- cooperate, they should be at their post at nine. Holmes, you're running an unspeakable risk. Wouldn't it be wiser for both of us to try to convince the police to handle this themselves? And allow them to make a botch of it? No, Watson, I must be on the scene myself. Shouldn't you at least take along a revolver, a weapon of some sort? Gerardo might decide to examine everyone entering the warehouse. No, Watson, I shall merely be accompanied by my second closest friend, my Meerschaum pipe. <laughs> Everything in Redden? Yes, yes. I have a carriage waiting outside this warehouse. We will be driven to the tube. Excellent, Mr. Stewart. You may distribute the weapons, Gerardo. Maud, you will wait here in the warehouse. When it is over, I shall send you. All right, Captain. You have my revolver, Gerardo? Yes, it is. Give it to me. And I? Oh, we're not giving you a gun. Why not, Mr. Stewart? I would feel better if you were not armed. Mr. Sherlock Holmes? Let me kill him now, Mr. Stewart. No, Gerardo, no. Ever since his own face was burned off, Holmes, Gerardo enjoys giving the same experience to others. You lied to us, Mr. Holmes. You've been lying all along. We're not exactly fools, Holmes. That story you told Gerardo about your criminal background, we took the trouble to verify it. Oh, you're going to the police. Then after we set off the dynamite, we shall leave the tea room. But you will remain locked inside. You lied to me, Holmes. Everyone lies to me. Stand up, Holmes. You try any trick, I'll slit your throat. Just as you slit Harold Pickering's The Link Boy? Yes. That was your handiwork, wasn't it, Gerardo? Pickering, with a keen professional interest in even the vaguest rumor concerning Parliament... 
must have taken up the scent to your society one evening, perhaps in the pub where Maud sings. He ran to me to bring the news, and you followed him. My housekeeper reported that one of the assailants was repulsively ugly. I could make you look just like me. I would like to... Get away from him, Gerardo. Come on. We're leaving for the theater. Do search, Holmes. And remember, I have my finger on the trigger of my gun. Maud, stay here. You'll have words for us. Good luck, Douglas. We're leaving now, Holmes. Not much late, because I've taken an extra precaution. Since you might have notified the police that our maneuver is scheduled for ten, I've sent out word that we will set off the dynamite one hour earlier than nine. Ron, carriage is waiting. The tea room is just around the corner, Mr. Stewart. You told Mrs. Ward to lock up earlier this evening, Gerardo? Yes. Well, Holmes, so you finally met someone who is your mental superior. Don't move. My gun is just a few inches from your head. Gerardo and I have a very good view of you from this back seat. Oh, I had no evil intentions in moving, Mr. Stewart. I yes. merely intended to light my pipe. It's gone out. Do you mind? Go on. Most considerate of you. Here's the theorem. Step out, Holmes. Very well. Walk to the door of the tea room. That's it. Right, right. I want to have a look here on the street. See anyone? No. All quiet. Doctor, some of the men must be here by now. Mr. Stewart tonight. Come in. We're all in the back of the shop. Walk in, Holmes. Certainly. Close the door, Gerardo. Don't lock it. We'll have to run out once we set the fuse. Yes, yes. Let's all go to the back. Quiet. I gathered you here an hour earlier because we were almost betrayed. This gentleman standing before you, whom we took into our ranks, is Sherlock Holmes, the detective. He is to be left here just before we set off the diamond. The fuses are quite long. They'll allow ample time for us to quit the shop and run a safe distance. Has the position of the dynamite been checked? Yes, sir. Ready, sir. We reassemble 30 minutes after the explosion. We meet at the well. I shall be the last man to leave. I'm reserving for myself the pleasure of knocking Mr. Holmes in behind me. I'm complimented, Mr. Stewart. Are we ready? Yes, right. Light the fuses, Gerardo. I say anyone inside? This is the law. There's a carriage caught fire out here. Belong to anyone back there? The alarm, constable. Spread the alarm. Shut up, Holmes. Oh, you dirty... The lamp! Holmes has smashed the lamp! Light! Come on, light another lamp! We cannot see! The door! The door! Holmes will run to the door! Stop it! Too late! I see his shadow out there! There you go! Look! Look outside, police! Barricade that door, Gerardo! Start firing! Fire! 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 Get down! Get down! They have guns out there!
I never thought you'd leave that tea shop alive. Oh, I did, Watson. Oh, it's a magnificent job you've done. Stuart and Gerardo have been taken to the morgue. Rest of the crews packed off to prison. You set fire to that carriage outside the shop, didn't you? Of course. I was in the front seat with the driver. He was preoccupied with his horses. Stuart and Gerardo, to keep an eye on me, purposely sat in the back. They could see most of me, but it was comparatively easy to drop a bit of hot ash from my pipe onto the upholstery. I knew that within a minute or two, the carriage would catch fire. It would attract your attention, watching from the corner with the raiding party, or that of the constable on the beach. He poked his head in, sure enough. I shall never cease admiring your quick-wittedness, Holmes. Neither shall I, my dear Watson. Neither shall I. Well, Dr. Watson, the Guy Fawkes Society was certainly a blood-curdling experience. <laughs> now, might we have an inkling about our adventure with Holmes for next week? Well, next week, Mr. Harris, I shall relate to you the adventure of Black Peter. It involves a steel harpoon, a dead pig, a proposed Arctic trip, an advertisement for a murder. And I'm quite sure you'll enjoy it. We shall be here in your study promptly at the same time next week, Dr. Watson, for the adventure of Black Peter. The makers of Clipper Craft clothes and more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockridge. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Spelvin. This week's story was written by Howard Merrill, with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Adventure of Black Peter. <laughs> this is Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, I definitely preferred the Rathbone Bruce version of the story. Plus, I, I loved Holmes's uh, humility at the end. Uh, I'll never cease to be amazed by me either. Amazing. Well, now we turn to listener comments, and we have a review on iTunes. It says, if I, good show, hate commercials. If I have to hear the Clipper Craft uh, close commercial again during Sherlock Holmes, I'll go crazy. Shows are good, though. Well, thanks so much. I hope you are still in your right mind as you're listening to this after today's program. Uh, and the ads, you know, I, I on the uh, Petri Wine uh, ads that were there during the Rathbone Bruce era, we got quite a few complaints. We've not had near as many about Cliffercraft. Uh, but, uh, that may pick up, uh, in terms of, uh, the number of, uh, uh, or the degree, I should say, of, uh, the ads, uh, being somewhat intrusive in the episode. And today, of course, we had Watson interrupting his story to, uh, 
give Mr. Harris a commercial cue. And believe it or not, uh, this isn't the worst we're going to hear. The good news is that the Clippercraft ads will go away, but we do have only 34 more weeks. All right, well, thank you so much for all your comments. That will actually do it for today. Uh, join us tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and then join us back here next week for another episode of Sherlock Holmes. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and give us a call 208-991-4783. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.